Our scriptures this evening, the first comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 23, or 33 and 34. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I want to welcome you all tonight to our Ash Wednesday service as we are beginning the season of Lent together, as we are guided and as we are pointed towards the cross of Jesus over the next 40 days, 46 actually, uh, we will be uh, pointing our eyes and looking to the cross very much like Jesus did. If you look in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9, in chapter 9 verse 51, it says that Jesus, uh, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, uh, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And so depending on your Bible translation, uh, some Bible translations, and I don't remember which one it is off the top of my head, but it says, instead of resolutely, it said he set his face towards Jerusalem. As he determined that everything from that point forward in terms of his ministry and of what he was doing, he knew would lead to him getting closer and closer to the city and closer to closer to the cross. And so he knew as he was approaching his final uh, days of ministry, you know, his months of ministry, uh, he knew what was going to happen. And so everything he did from that point forward was aimed at the city and what he knew was going to, uh, what was going to occur. And so on this night, this Ash Wednesday, the first thing we think about and we're invited to think about is ashes. Ashes that remind us that we are dust and to dust we shall return. Since the earliest times, ancient peoples have worn uh, sackcloth and ashes to demonstrate their sorrow, their repentance, and their grief. And so we use ashes. We also take upon ourselves the sign of the cross as a reminder to ourselves that we have a tendency to turn away from God and to do our own thing. We do our own thing, and often it leads us to sin, it leads us to straying, it leads us apart from God and away from God, and we end up being very much like the Apostle Paul. When he writes that he does the things that he does not want to do, but because of his sinful nature, he ends up doing them anyway. And so we receive the sign of the cross as a sign of our submission to God and to Jesus, as an invitation to have him change our lives. The symbol of using ashes points our eyes back to when God created. 
When he took dust from the earth and he formed the first man and then he formed the first woman and he breathed into both of them the very breath of life. And upon his death, Adam returned to the dust from which he was formed. And this is the common theme that all of humanity experiences and shares. But as Christians, on this day, we remember and we celebrate that there's victory over that in Jesus Christ. We remember that we sin, and because we sin, we need the grace of God. And we remember that even though one day our physical bodies will cease, everything is made different for us and for anyone who chooses to believe because of the cross of Jesus. It's the cross that makes it different. It's a sign we wear around our necks and place in our homes. It's a sign we wear on our foreheads today out of ashes. It's a sign that reminds us of the sacrifice and it points our eyes upward towards someone who is far greater than our sin and who is far greater than anything that you and I can ever be. Because the cross points us to Jesus. And so on this day, we acknowledge our sin. And as we do so, we declare our dependence on God before one another. On this day, we celebrate the fresh start that God has offered us through the hope and forgiveness of His Son. Because when we come to the cross, we're guided to forgiveness. Forgiveness. I don't think anyone would have expected as they stood there and and watched the uh, crucifixion of Jesus that they would have heard or expected to hear the words that we've read tonight from Luke chapter 23. Words of forgiveness that Jesus offered. I don't know about you, but as I read it, I have to think that the Roman soldiers who had placed Jesus on the cross had probably heard it all from those that they had crucified. Most of those things probably we can't say in church, but I'm sure that they heard words of hate and of condemnation. Words accusing them of everything under the sun and words calling for release and for escape, they'd heard it all. Until the cross of Jesus pointed their eyes and offered them forgiveness. As they heard forgiveness from an instrument that was created to prolong death and to serve as a visual reminder for the power of Rome for all who saw it. The cross guided them to forgiveness, and the cross guides us to forgiveness. In Luke 23, verse 33 through 34, as he hung on the cross, Jesus offered words that those who had nailed him to the cross had never heard. And so he forgave them. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These are words directed at Romans who had just held him down, who had wielded the hammer, who had driven the nails, who had set the cross upright. But those are also the words that he aims at all of us. Because the cross of Jesus and the words of forgiveness that he offered from it are not just the words for those that were immediately in his circle and within his, his range of healing. The cross of Jesus guides all of us to the opportunity to ask for and to receive forgiveness. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus forgives us all, all who come to him, all who place themselves in humility at the foot of the cross, all who willingly 
or sometimes unwillingly, acknowledge their sin, all who repent and, and seek to turn away from that sin that they see and to change their life and to set aside behaviors and to set aside false gods, to set aside whatever it is that we worship other than God. Because when Jesus took upon himself the cross, he took upon himself the sin of the world and he offered you and he offered me forgiveness. Forgiveness in a place that it was not expected. Forgiveness into a world where really offering forgiveness is kind of countercultural. Because it's hard to offer forgiveness, especially when we're faced with sin. I mean, look at the disciples. How, you know, they walked with Jesus for three years. And even as he hung on the cross, they didn't even fully understand or comprehend or, or realize the extent by which God was offering forgiveness to them. I mean, look at their reaction. In Matthew 18, you know, uh, Peter comes to Jesus and, and he asks him, this is earlier, you know, in the story, and, and Jesus, uh, Peter comes to him and says, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? All right, so pause a minute and think about what Peter has just asked Jesus. I think we move sometimes very quickly from Jesus, the question that is posed to Jesus, to Jesus' answer. So Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. This is a question. And I think Peter thinks, and maybe I'm, I'm well, here's what I think. I think Peter has, has posed this question to Jesus and he's like, man, this is, I, I, I'm just going to be perfect because I'm going to say, you know, should I forgive him up to seven times? That's a lot of forgiveness. Don't you think Peter's kind of thinking that, that he's getting one up on whoever he's forgiving? He's, he's putting himself in a better position because he's thinking that seven times is really, really, really generous. But what does Jesus say? Jesus' answer takes Peter's, what he assumed was an excessive idea of forgiveness, and Jesus blows it out of the water. When he says, depending on your Bible translation, some say 77 times. Some Bible translations say 70 times, 7 times, right? That's a lot. And here's the crazy thing. I think Peter's bubble was burst when Jesus said this. I think he imagined his, his own idea of forgiveness would be gracious and, and probably borderline excessive. And now Jesus is saying that's not, even, that's not even enough. Because he says the forgiveness that we are to offer is the same forgiveness that we receive from God, which means it's immeasurable. There's not to be a limit on how often we forgive nor is there a limit on how often that you and I can receive forgiveness from the cross of Jesus. I mean, Jesus modeled it in his own life and ministry. Just a few highlights of the Gospels. A paralyzed man lowered by his friends on a mat through the ceiling. So Jesus did not uh, just tell him, get up and walk, but what did he say? He said, I forgive you your sins, now get up, get up take your mat and go. When the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery to Jesus, wanting him to participate in her punishment and her stoning, 
Jesus instead crouches down, draws in the sand. We don't know what he writes. And then he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. When everyone dropped their stones and started walking off, then Jesus looked at her and what did he say? He said, I forgive you of your sins. Go and sin no more. He tells a parable of a master who, who forgave the great debt of a servant. And when that same servant goes to demand payment from another debtor, Jesus talks about how we are to protect, practice forgiveness in the same way we've received it. He filled his ministry with forgiveness. As he calls us all and as he called all of those around him to leave behind whatever holds them back to repent of their sin, and to receive forgiveness that he offers. He spent time with sinners so that they could discover who he was and so that they could change their lives by receiving the forgiveness he offers. Zacchaeus is one of the best stories of that, a tax collector who was guilty of overcharging people for their taxes. Jesus comes into the town of Jericho. Zacchaeus is in the sycamore tree. There's a cute little children's song, and Jesus says, I'm coming to your home today, right? Zacchaeus recognized who Jesus was and he pledges to pay back those he has wronged to no longer do what he had been doing and what does Jesus say he says today salvation has come to this house uh, to, since he is also a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost Zacchaeus received forgiveness because he realized and recognized who he was and what he had done by his encounter with Jesus he was used to people heaping condemnation on him. He was definitely not expecting Jesus to celebrate, to recognize his change of heart, and then what? To offer him forgiveness. But this is what Jesus does. And this is what we observe tonight and we celebrate tonight and we remember and we realize and we practice in the season of Lent is that Jesus offers forgiveness for all of us. Paul summarizes it perfectly in Romans 3.23. He says, for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God because Paul wants us to see, he wanted the earliest Christian church to see that none of them were exempt of what they needed. No matter what they had done, no matter the sacrifices they had altered and offered in other temples, on other altars and everything else, what Paul was saying to them is every one of you is a sinner and every one of us needs the grace and forgiveness of God offered through Jesus Christ all and so as we're guided to the cross this lent i encourage you and invite you tonight to seek repentance may we practice forgiveness may we discover that the savior who has never given on, up on us who will never turn away from us and who has offered us everything his love his grace and his forgiveness he invites us all to come to him as we are guided and as we are found at the foot of the cross.